On today's Daily Charge Supercharged Edition, we dive deep on the latest Facebook privacy developments. Which parts of the social network empire are still safe? What info are they looking for when transcribing your messages? And what kind of penalties should they be subject to? Uh, right out the gate, let's go ahead and uh, let Timothy vocalize what everybody's thinking. How many of these incidents from Facebook will have people saying enough is enough? I think we've already reached critical mass with the Cambridge Analytica thing, and people yeah. have decided, oh, that was a while ago. That doesn't matter. Yeah. it's a, Yeah, I really think Cambridge Analytica was the one that tipped it into the mainstream. But as I say, Cambridge Analytica was fairly esoteric. Mm-hmm. It was something that got a lot of headlines and started to people to ask questions about privacy. But it was also something that was a bit confusing what was going on. It was about how your data and this cross-linking of things you like and that was building up this kind of aggregate picture of who you were. I think for the average person that's very difficult to get a handle on. Mm -hmm. So I think with the listening to my conversations, that's just old school 1950s Cold War wiretapping paranoia and I feel like that will be something that people can easily latch on to. But that said... I was, I was talking to a designer here at um, CNET the other day and they were saying, I don't use social media because I'm a designer and I see how this thing is designed to suck the time out of me. Mm-hmm. We love Facebook. It's our like social heroine and we keep using it because it's really enjoyable to use. So we know we shouldn't be on it. We know we should be minimising our use and being more aware of our privacy, but gosh, it's just like keep eating that ice cream. Yes, I I mixed metaphors wildly there, but you know. But I mean, you could go from Facebook, then you, oh, I don't like Facebook anymore. I'm going to go to Twitter. Then you find out they're doing something. I'm going to go to this other service, other service. Instagram, WhatsApp, all owned by Facebook. Exactly. Because you have these options, you can be like, I don't like this ice cream. I'll go to this other one, but they're owned by the same company. (laughs) Yeah. So. (sighs) I know. I think it's really down to personal uh, responsibility. And I think that's a couple of, uh, it's the same with the Instagram hiding likes. I was thinking about it and I thought, well, I'll be interested to see how many likes my posts get and I'll still be able to see that mm-hmm. and I'll still be interested to see other people's posts. But the way I use Instagram is to stay in touch with what my friends are doing and to follow a lot of drag queens. And mm-hmm. you know what? I'll still get that content. I'll still be able to see the stuff I like. For a lot of people that are using it in that more influencer sphere, I feel like they will change the way they look at it. But also. Exactly you need to take responsibility for the kinds of accounts you're following. We have this big chat in the um, the CNET team that's like, if you're unhappy using a social social media account on Twitter, on Instagram, just rethink who you're following, you know, maybe mute someone and see if it's, see if it has, has an effect. And I think it could be if you're unhappy with the way Facebook's treating you, if you're unhappy with the way Twitter is serving up information, just kind of take a bit of a step back and have a bit of an audit and think about what you're doing. I think that's where not just people blindly following these machines. We have to take a, a personal choice. Here. I think I've included that as my my spring cleaning tip. It's like mm-hmm. just unfollow people, unfollow your friends if you haven't talked to them in a year other than saying happy birthday because yeah. everyone does that. Like maybe take account for all of this data you're getting in. Yeah. It can really impact you. If you're really like, well, they're always on vacation. Why am I not on vacation? It's yeah. like, well, they're only posting their vacations. Yeah, it's a latergram. Yeah. It's a latergram. My rule is for anyone on social media, on Facebook, if they would sell your photo, an awkward photo of you, if you're in some sort of horrible incident, if they mm-hmm. sell it to the news, you need to get rid of that person. That's my that's my divider of who can stay on social media. Get rid of following that person. Yes. Not I think- get, don't get rid of the person. <laughs> just, just, just neutralize them. Yeah. yeah. 
I I don't know. I think um I think it's a good I think it's a good tip. I mean, last night I just got sick of just trawling through Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and I just took the icons off my home screen. I think I'm thinking that I might need to get rid of one of those services because I use them too much and I flip between them all. But taking the icons off the home screen, I found myself less likely to just go replaced Facebook with a podcasting app. And I thought maybe if I'm bored, I'll jump into that instead. So I don't know. I'm I'm desperately broken when it comes to social media. I don't know if there's a fix for me. <laughs> we got any other questions? Well, I just think that's a great topic of conversation. You, you mentioned spring cleaning. You know, people in the past have had yard sales, garage sales, stoop sales, estate sales. It's almost like, has the term the digital hoarding ever been coined? Yes. that's what it feels, it has. Yes. That's absolutely what it feels like. There could be no more accurate, um, and that, I mean, that's with me being completely knowledgeable about that study, if there is one, uh, the idea of, of hoarding things for FOMO reasons, right? Yeah. That's why we pile up all these followings, and then you just get overwhelmed with information you don't need in your life, and then that just completely overwhelms you. And uh, great, great topic of conversation, I think, that, that we're having here today. Uh, as far as questions go, Yan says, uh, could Facebook be possibly scanning your Facebook Messenger text messages as well? And as long as we're going down that rabbit hole and see how deep it does go, Timothy asks, these audio recordings, are they only English ones or are they scanning other languages? Wow. I'm looking into the language thing. Well, I'm imagining these contractors were based in Santa Monica, so in California. I'm guessing that would lean it towards English language, but not necessarily. Uh, I know that Facebook, in terms of human moderation, has had issues, uh, so say things posted on the platform that are inflammatory or hate speech, They've had problems with non-English language because they are not able to source as many contractors and they've actually said that, you know, language has nuance and, you know, a a piece of like a a word in slang might be a positive thing or a negative thing Mm -hmm. in a different language. So it's actually really difficult to moderate negative content in different languages. I don't know whether that would mean that it's the same going for just basic transcription. Um, and, and the first question again, Brian, would you repeat that one? Oh, uh, the first question was if they were going to, if they were scanning text messages as well, your Facebook Messenger text, or if it was only concerned specifically in this instance, we're talking about those audio transcriptions. Well, I think in this case, this has come as a surprise and it's come as a surprise thanks to Bloomberg's reporting. I don't know. I would say that they're not scanning your messages, but if a story broke next week, next month, next year that they had been scanning them, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, That's not to say Facebook is doing that, but I I certainly know that a lot of these big companies have sort of had a a policy of seeking forgiveness rather than asking for permission. That's not necessarily to say that Facebook has done that. I want to be careful about what I say there, Mm -hmm. but um, I know that there's an uproar and they close things down. They closed this feature down a week ago, but that just says to me as a reporter, someone started asking questions or they figured that maybe some of these contractors had started speaking to the media and they shut down the relationship then, not because they thought it was unethical. So I don't know. I think these kinds of problems blow up and when they do, a company apologises for it, but we only hear about it once it's blown up. You have journalistic integrity, so I understand you're trading lightly. I don't. We're going to break that story next week. I bet you Well, no, so here's the thing. I've I've, I've looked up the story and this is from Digital Trends from last year, so I don't know if anything has changed. This is from April 5th, uh, 2018. The headline reads, yes, Facebook is reading the messages you send through Messenger. (laughs) 
and uh, he's somebody. And I'd already forgotten. Right. So there's a question whether that's still going on. I went to Facebook's page itself. It says, who can see my Facebook messages? And they say, only you and the people you're messaging can view your conversation. So maybe something has changed over the course of a year or not. Uh, but that's where we are. So basically the idea is maybe, but we don't know. Yeah. I Facebook mean, says they're not reading it. I think they would, there, there has to be some sort of, yeah, once again, I'm probably going to plead the fifth because of that whole integrity thing that you say I have, <laughs> Brian. I don't know about that. but More than me. Yeah, I think it's some really problematic stuff around privacy and it's always a question of privacy versus convenience. In the case of Google Home, do you, or Alexa or whatever smart assistant you have, do you want it to know your habits so it can serve up better information for you? Maybe you do, but it's that trade-off because the more convenient it becomes, the more it has to know about you. Uh, the more targeted your Instagram ads become, you know, serving you up those T-shirts or shoes that you really do want to buy, uh, it's because they're tracking the kinds of things you do. So I, I I find it really problematic. I'm trying to get my, messenger, my messages off Messenger mm-hmm. Um I'm moving to WhatsApp. I know that it's just a matter of time before that becomes, you know, a horrible free-for-all as well, especially now that Facebook is wanting to cross-link your Instagram messenger and WhatsApp messages. It means there's going to be data sharing between those. I have massive problems with that, but... Yeah, one of the biggest po- uh, polls about... Oops, it's a clink of my ring. One of the polls about WhatsApp is that it's encrypted end-to-end. So in theory, even WhatsApp or Facebook couldn't read it, but if they're somehow linking it to other... Uh, accounts, it seems like there would be something strange going on there, but I'm not sure if that will come to fruition yet. Yeah, well, I mean, when that story broke about we want to make it easier for you to message someone across platforms, mm-hmm. everyone was talking about the convenience factor, and I thought the the big thing that most people were missing was as soon as you start to cross-link, you get a more accurate picture. Even if it's anonymized, um, you can say that this person with this interest on Facebook also happens to send these kinds of messages on WhatsApp, and we didn't know that before. They're building up an accurate picture of your life. I really think I'll reassess if that kind of cross-linking happens. I'd reassess how I use WhatsApp. But, I mean, I, I'm trying to minimise what messaging and what information I'm sharing with these social platforms. But, unfortunately, we kind of signed the deal with the devil, you know, a number of years ago when mm-hmm. we got all these convenient features and now we're starting to realise the problems with them, but they're so baked into our lives, you know. And start to extract yourself from the situation. It really is. It really is. You become a social pariah and then no one invites you to their parties because you're not on Facebook anymore. And it's like, well, you could have called me, guys. Anyway, that's just a personal thing. That's very true, though. Painfully true. Uh, You brought up WhatsApp. Yan is asking if Facebook will also be listening to WhatsApp conversations, if that's any kind of level of concern. Well, currently they can't. Exactly. So could we maybe spell out a little bit as to why and the security measures that are in place with WhatsApp that will help protect that and why maybe it's allegedly a safer platform than the others? I have a very, like, I guess, like high-level understanding, not like the actual, like, deep dive into it. As I understand, the messages are encrypted from end to end. Only the person sending and receiving the message has the ability to see the actual decrypted text. So as the data is passing from your device to the cloud and back... Uh, to the other person's device, basically it's stuff is encrypted to the point where nobody else can read it. The only key that allows you to decrypt it is on that other phone. So because of that, Facebook in theory could never actually understand what's going on unless they spent an unreasonable amount of time trying to decrypt it. But even then it's supposed to be like 200 years or something crazy. Yeah, I so think- no, no, nothing's uncrackable in theory over an infinite time period. 
but it's extremely difficult. Yeah, in terms of where we're at with cryptography, I think the kinds of keys they're using, it's, you know, it's for all intents and purposes impossible because when Facebook or another company is subpoenaed to get access to encrypted messages, we saw that with the uh, San Bernardino shooter's iPhone. Mm -hmm. That was a case with the FBI a couple of years ago. Apple wasn't able to open that phone. Uh, And I think we saw it with the El Paso shooter um, or... I'm sorry to say this, one of the recent shootings Mm -hmm. over here recently, they were trying to get access to encrypted messages. This is a debate that's going on really um, intensely in Australia right now because, uh, long story short, Australia is a member of the Five Eyes, which is a group of countries including the United States and Canada and the UK and New Zealand uh, that share information in a kind of national security way. And Australia wants to put force companies to make backdoors essentially Mm -hmm. into encrypted messaging services. Now, if that happens in Australia, it will have ramifications because it will start coming into play in places like the UK and the US. Um, But the tech companies are saying, well, you you can't do that. And then our former prime minister said the laws of the land trump the laws of mathematics and then all the mathematicians were like, you can't (laughs) do that. Maths is pure. Um, Anyway, that's just a real highlight of uh, what's been going on in Australia recently. But this is a huge battle about whether we should be able to decrypt messages because not for you and I and our messages about that barbecue on the weekend, but what if uh, we're planning some sort of terrorist act? With no barbecue. With no barbecue. um, Suddenly, anytime you're having a conversation about our privacy, it's always tangled in with people who shouldn't have privacy Mm -hmm. because they're up to nefarious things. It's a debate that's as long as time itself. But right now, WhatsApp is encrypted end-to-end. So Facebook can't read those messages, even if it's someone trying to do something terrible on the platform. And one of the arguments against building these backdoors for government use or whatever is that if if the government has this this data will get out it will mm-hmm. be found out either through hackers or somebody will so, so, social engineer their way into finding out how to decode these things and that leads to a whole giant mess so it's not just like oh the government shouldn't read it it's that this thing this what's supposed to be secure has a hole in it yeah you can't allow that if you actually want any kind of security privacy or i mean in some certain governments i think this was a uh, blackberry messenger in india and pakistan they wanted access Blackberry is like, we don't have the ability to give you this because there was a lot of monitoring mm. these uh, countries wanted to do. So that's yeah. sometimes you want to you know protect yourself. It's not just about uh, conversations that you think are really private, but it's also sometimes if you can get persecuted for what you're saying or what you're trying to reach out, that's a huge deal. So that's it's problematic. I mean, and governments create a backdoor. That backdoor is usable by everyone. Mm-hmm. And you better believe that governments aren't the smartest people out there when it comes to, you know, hacking into encrypted messages. If they create a, a key, then bad people will use that key. Also, it's sometimes just not physically possible. And if you great break the cryptography that's securing encrypted messages, you also put other security at risk, you know, that kind of encryption secures things like banking transactions or government data even. So it's not as simple as saying, let's just break uh, this particular conversation and everything else will be fine. It just doesn't work like that. So the laws of maths do trump everything else. That's my key message today. And my key message is, since they're going to spy on you anyways, mess with them. Do everything in your power to try to screw with their algorithm. Buy the same black t-shirt 600 times. Order pizza from only two places. Just try to ruin their lives and break everything about what they're trying to do, which is sell you 
crap. You'll you'll ruin your life as well, Brian, if you're only wearing 600 black t-shirts and eating pizza for the rest of your life. Have have you seen me lately? (laughs) His his new ads will simply be for Scotchgard and cleaning for his his clothes. Yeah. How to protect your couch from (laughs) pizza spills and how to make sure your black t-shirts remain black. Yeah, well, Facebook thinks I'm... So we'll light for you. (laughs) Facebook thinks I'm a 95-year-old Swedish woman, so I get some really weirdly targeted um, mature age dating ads. Um, so that's how I'm doing my bit. Uh, Facebook, come at me with the best ads you can deliver because I just don't think they're very good right now. You know, now that you mention it, I do get a lot of ads for Clorox too. All right, we're almost out of time, so let's take a serious question. Uh, Commander Trium asks, what about penalizing these companies via breaking off their services in violation of privacy and making them all subject to government or third-party privacy auditing? Um, hmm. Well, then you have a question of which governments have a say in this. Uh, and that also causes a great deal of issues with countries that are trying to suppress information that's being sent around. So if they're being audited by a country that is against that kind of thing, that becomes a huge issue. You're talking about third-party privacy auditing. I'm sure that's something that these companies would gladly say, yes, of course, we're all for that because it removes the idea of regulation Mm. because you'll do anything to avoid regulation if you're in any of these businesses. And that's not just Facebook or any, it's like any business tries really hard to avoid government regulation unless it benefits them in some way. Mm. So I think it's more likely that we're going to see uh, regulation come in. We've seen some of the Democratic 2020 candidates, notably Elizabeth Warren, saying that tech companies need to be regulated. Post-Cambridge Analytica, all of those Silicon Valley honchos were invited to Congress to sort of have a bit of a please explain moment. And I think as more of these privacy issues become bigger issues, then regulators are going to start taking more notice. They're already taking notice. Facebook is definitely upping the ante when it comes to having people ready to lobby for their cause in Washington. Um, I think maybe our elected officials need to get a bit better at understanding how technology works because a lot of them, you you read those congressional uh, testimonies and Mm. you're just like, that's not how technology, guys, guys, this isn't, so just maybe some of them could get a bit of a refresher course, but I think that's more likely that, uh, you know, they've been given free reign and they'll have to drag it in a bit. You know, back to your rule of math, mm. this will all suss itself out over time. People mm. who've grown up with video games are in the government. So like video games aren't necessarily evil unless they seem to be older. Then you're going to have people who have been on social media for their entire life and they'll be like, oh yeah, I understand this. The question of whether this is a violation of privacy, that's the real question. Do you have an expectation of privacy when you're using a third-party app to do something? If I'm talking to you, Claire, in a a room, I'm expecting a bit of privacy. But if I'm doing this online, where does this become uh, a private conversation? But, I mean, you're talking about people growing up with social media. Maybe that's – we're going to see the reverse, that these people are so used to – younger generations are so used to chatting online – chatting through messenger services, that maybe they have some expectation of privacy but they just don't even think because it's so baked into their lives. They might have a Finster, they might have their regular Instagram Mm -hmm. and their fake Instagram, but that might be the level of secrecy and privacy that they're sort of maintaining. So, yeah, And privacy can change with generations. What's a reasonable expectation of privacy? That's the real thing. Like, yeah. I certainly don't have a millennial view of privacy. I mean, I'm of that generation, but I have like a hardcore, slightly pinko, you know, 70-year-old guy who lives in the, uh, in the hinterland of some hippie region. That's probably where I'm at privacy-wise. So... Um, <laughs> 
sure, 95-year-old Swedish woman with a 70-year-old crazy former hippie's privacy standards. See, this is why we need people reviewing the audio to transcribe <laughs> transcribe all of that. It's hinterland. a rich tapestry. What is it? Hinterland. Oh, gosh. I'm, oh, yeah. We can talk about that offline. Yeah, we will. I think. <laughs> Brian, is there more time or should we get out of here? We should probably start wrapping things up. I'm just having a, a really uh, fun time picturing whoever's transcribing Claire's messages, <laughs> just going, what the hell is this? I just... like to keep them on their toes. <laughs> <laughs> and I have the guilty pleasure for watching crotchety, crusty old boomers in uh, Congress try to decipher how the internets work. So I look forward to more of those hearings. It's just me. But we are out of time. Real quick, though, before we let him go, uh, this is something I, as you and I were talking about before the show started, because even I couldn't disseminate this. For following topics on Twitter, one of our first stories of the day, mm-hmm. uh, what is the difference between this just being news or a hashtag? Like, why is this not just like, another section of news. Okay, so uh, as I was looking into this, the hashtag situation is usually go into a search and you're getting top or everything from everybody. In theory, if you're following a topic, it's going to be in your in your actual feed, so you're more likely to see it. And it, this wasn't specified, but it suggests that it would be curated in mm. some way. Because if I'm looking up the Patriots, I'd hope to see stuff from the Patriots, the NFL, and whoever's playing them that week, or maybe ESPN, all of these different high-level companies that have something to do with it as opposed to some person in the hinterland who's freaking out and saying, I am not a patriot, and that's showing up because you yeah. you're following the patriots on a hashtag. So in theory, it'd be less confused. Yeah. You'd have a more streamlined feed. Yeah, I think right now hashtags kind of work like hyperlinks or just highlight words, and so you do just get it's, – it's the same Twitter hose but just a different nozzle. Um, so I guess – what you're going to see with this is exactly that, being able to have your favourite accounts, not having the weird patriot movement that are living in the hinterland and stockpiling canned soup, um, but you'll be able to follow your team and then have more genuine conversations. I think it'll be a, a layout. I just want to say one small thing, the don't need to edit the the uh, tweets when they were like, oh, mm-hmm. an edit feature that's low on our list of priorities. I'm really pro not having an edit feature. There's a really good reason. Absolutely. Keep your typos in so that we don't have misinformation or potential leaders of the free world saying that they never said what they said. Not only that, but you can change the question. So you have this answer from lots of people saying, yes, we are all pro this movement. And your question was like, do you like kittens? And they changed what the question is. It's like, wow, you've totally changed what's going on. Yeah. Okay. So thank you again for joining us. Tag us online. Let us know what you want to see on the show. For The Daily Charge, I'm Maya Zaktar. And I'm Claire Riley. Thanks for watching. I know that a hinterland is the often uncharted areas beyond a coastal district or a river's banks. 